Just like that, our number two is here. Pop my with Huddy Withrow across the Outkick Network. We and are rolling right along, Hutton. Wednesday edition coming up in 20 minutes. Clay Travis will join us. Soon to be joined by A.J. Pruszynski, Fox Sports Major League Baseball analyst. Does a great job. Looking forward to it. Uh, Chad, we've got a, a lot more to discuss across college, NFL, and, and beyond. Thursday night football, Chargers and, and Raiders. Three Saturday games, though, this week. Uh, also, college football-wise, Hutton, do you want to put an estimate on how many bowl games will be played this Saturday? I've, I, I believe, I think there's five. Is there Seven. Seven. Seven college football games. This is like championship Saturday all over again in terms of number of games. <laughs> Seven bowl is games. <laughs> I, I registered my family for a, a bowl selection pool yep. online today. And I've had to remind the family, hey, get your get, get your picks in before Saturday morning because starting at 10 a.m. Central Time, they're going to have games kick off and that there's going to be seven games. Yeah, we need to get our picks in later today. We need to make that happen. That's right. Um, the Dodgers made it happen. Otani, officially out in L.A. A.J. Przyski joins us uh, from Fox. And, uh, A.J., thank you for the time, man. Hope things are well. Uh, everything's great. How about y'all? Yeah, man, doing great. Uh, so when you see the $700 million figure... And the fact that the the money is deferred, what are you uh, what are you anticipating for future contracts? Given the fact that Otani and the Dodgers are, are doing this down the road, and what it may do for other players, clubs, and the fact that free agents now can look at Otani as a reason why they can now join. Well, I think what Otani did was great. I think he got every dime he could. And I think the way he handled it, because listen, everyone's like, oh, all the teams are going to do this, right? No, they're not. Because no, not a lot of teams are willing to do this. And two, at some point, this bill comes due, right? So you have to owe him still. You're still on the $68 million that he deferred. So you still have to pay it. But there's also only one Shohei Otani. So a lot of guys take deferred money, but nobody gets makes, what, 20, 30, 40. They're talking about $50 million off the books uh, in endorsements. Nobody else has that kind of power. So this is a unique contract, a unique situation. And I think, honestly, I don't know that we'll ever see it again unless another Otani comes along. And this is not cheating by the Dodgers. This is not cheating by Otani. What it is is smart because not only does he save, he, he, he might lose some money on the front end, but he makes all that money up on the back end. And you know what else he does? He can save taxes because he can live wherever he wants when he, when he gets all the big checks yeah. coming in from the Dodgers. So he saves huge tax money. It's certainly within the rules, and it's very smart of the Dodgers, Otani, everyone involved with the Dodgers. My question, AJ, would, would be this. Let's say the Dodgers win three or four World Series in the next 10 years, having implemented this plan. Does this cause owners around the league to look into this? Not look into it like an investigation of the Dodgers, but to try to change their way of thinking about this rule of deferring money in a contract? Do other teams get upset by it? Or do you think it's just business as usual? And when the next collective bargaining agreement comes comes around, it's going to be the same thing and the same opportunity for everyone. Well, Bobby Bonilla is still collecting checks, right? From the Mets every, was it July 1st, Bobby Bonilla Day? Mm -hmm. so this has been going on forever, just not to this magnitude. Again, because there's never been Shohei Otani. I think Mookie Betts, he's deferring, what, $11 million or something? Like a year, same thing. Freddie Freeman on the Dodgers defers money. Max Scherzer. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. for a while was still the highest paid red. Yeah, uh, for yeah. you know, years after he's been gone. So this has been happening for years, and it's a, it's a way to uh, save money up front. But yeah, you eventually have to pay for it. But it doesn't count against the luxury tax once you start paying it. So as long listen, the Dodgers are 
Guggenheim behind them, right? They have, I don't know how many billions, hundreds of billions. Guess what? They're not going broke anytime soon. So 68 million of them is like, eh, oh, here's a little, you know, check for 68 million. Uh, you're not playing anymore, Shohei. We won our three World Series. As far as other teams, listen, Shohei offered this contract to every other team. We heard the Giants GM come out and say, oh, Shohei offered this, but he picked LA. Other teams would have been dumb not to take this because you can make the money up front off of his endorsements, meaning off of what he brings in off the field from, from Japan and from other outlets. And LA was a place he wanted to be, obviously, but I don't see the rules changing because he offered this 29 other teams and the Dodgers said, yeah, we'll do it. The Giants said, we'll do it. He just liked LA better than San Francisco. So that may be more is on Shohei. But listen, if a team came to me and said, hey, we'll give you 10 years, 100. Oh, you have to defer 90 of it until you know 10 years from now? So what? I'm still getting 100. I'm just going to have to you know be a little smarter until it comes in. Was it Dodgers all the way? Uh, ultimately, yes, I, I I think so. I, I mean, Toronto got involved a little bit, and did he? People are like, "Oh, he used Toronto. Toronto's a great place and a good organization." They tried. I give them credit, but you know what? It, it seemed like, man, we've been talking about this for like two years now. Otani's going to the Dodgers. The Dodgers saved up all their money last year. It seemed like a foregone conclusion. You talked about that the marketing money that Otani's going to generate for for the Dodgers, the money he generated for the Angels. I know clubs are always looking for the best players all over the world, but we've seen other Japanese stars now and some about to come to Major League Baseball that they're getting involved in bidding wars across the sport for those guys. As the uncertainty of television in local markets and regional sports networks and all that stuff is up in the air right now about where all that is going, AJ, do you see other teams looking hard at international players like a Japanese player, knowing if you get the right one and get a star, that it's going to open up revenue opportunities for television internationally and other ways you can make money as a club? Well, I think you look at San Francisco, they just signed Lee, right? From yep. Korea. He's going to bring in money from Korea because he was a star over there. You look at Yamamoto, who the Dodgers are linked to also. He's another guy that can bring in money. Now, listen, nobody's on Shohei's level, but we first saw this with Ichiro when he went to Seattle. When he came over, then the Yankees went and got uh, Hideki Matsui, right? Godzilla. And he brought in revenue. And I remember you'd go into to, to Yankee Stadium and there was Japanese signs and everything all over the outfield. You're like, man, this is Yankee Stadium. This isn't the Tokyo Dome. So it, it, it opens up globally opportunities. Look, you look at the NFL. They're going to London. They're going to Germany. They're playing a game in Brazil, I think, next year, right? Everybody is looking to how do we expand outside of the U.S. and bring in other markets. And listen, the more foreign stars you bring in not born in the u.s the better those opportunities are especially when they're superstars like otani and yamamoto how dire is it behind the scenes with what what you've heard about the the, the tv agreements the rights and all of that given the money that needs to come in and the contracts that are being signed um from what i've heard i mean listen fox fox signed a pretty big contract to keep major league baseball for a while i think they have at least five years left right for the world series and that was in the billions Every team gets a cut of that. Uh, every team has their own local TV deal. The one thing that you know people have to understand about baseball, it's a regional, it's a regional sport, mostly, right? So people tune into their local broadcast and they say, All right, I'm a Yankee fan, I'm gonna tune into Yes Network, I'm a Dodger fan, I'm turning into Sports in LA, I'm a White Sox fan, I'm tuning into NBC Chicago. So it's important for those networks to to keep those teams on the on the on the broadcast because it brings in revenue for the the channels. And it gives them almost unlimited program. They can run reruns and do pre and post game shows and all that. So 
I don't know what his dyers were making it out to be. The problem is, is that, what is it, Bally? I forget who, yes. Sinclair Media. Yep. They bought them, and then they didn't realize what it cost to, to run these, and now they're kind of, I, I think eventually, and I don't I don't know if we want to see this, Major League Baseball is starting to take over all those. Do we really want to centrally own broadcast right. from Major League Baseball? Like, is that the best for the game? Because don't you want local, and I know they'll hire local people, but I don't want like a, 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 a national pre and post for every game. Like I want to, I want my local guys to tune in and, you know, see the San Diego Padres guys talking about it and see the Seattle Mariner guy talking about their team, because that's where you get the true insight. Cause they're on the ground every day. Listen, I do national games all the time for, for Fox. I'm, I'm in, I might see a team once a year. So I go in for two days and I try to get the most info I can in two days. You don't get it all, but those local guys are on the ground, man. And and they know what's going on. They fly with these teams. They know exactly what's happening. What did you think about Apple's coverage of Major League Baseball and what they're doing and the possibilities Uh, of streamers being an option where you could have that local broadcast you're talking about, AJ, but do it through a a gigantic streaming company? That's fine. Um, But the problem with that is, like, you know, there's people that don't know how to stream. Like, if I told my parents, (laughs) hey, I'm going to be on Apple, they're like, wait, what the hell is Apple? Yeah. Wait, on my phone? Right. They don't they don't understand. So, I mean, as the as the generations turn over, it, it becomes more a much easier thing to do as people cut the cord from cable. Um, but yeah, streaming's an option. But guess what? What's the cost going to be? It's going to be the same cost for the games you have to pay on the cable. So, a, again, it comes down to how much do people want to pay and how much are they willing to, to shell out to watch these games? And what's the most affordable way to get the most eyeballs on the sport? So when you're playing high school baseball with Johnny Damon, do you guys look <laughs> at each other and, and say, yeah, this the other guy's definitely going to be a major league ball player for, for many years? Did, did, was that no. crossing your mind then? No, because Johnny was so much better. So, so I was a sophomore when Johnny was a senior, and he was so much better than I was. Heck, I was just trying uh, to, to hang around Johnny and be like, man, I, I get to look at this guy and you know <laughs> watch how good he is because he was unbelievable, right? And at the time, I mean, I was, you know, what, 15 years old and, and just trying to, you know, pass my permit test to get my driver's license. Whereas Johnny's talking about signing, you know, being a first rounder. So no, I mean, yeah, I looked at Johnny and said, damn, this dude's going to be unbelievable. He probably looked at me and we're, you know, good friends now. He probably looked at me and like, he was just a little peon, you know, <laughs> following me around and trying to, 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 to learn from me. So I probably annoyed him and, and I was looking up to him. How, how has NIL changed the way players are going from high school to pro and the, the, the consideration now, we talk a lot of basketball and football for name, image, likeness. I'm imagining baseball, there's an influx of some really good talent that will go to college instead of take the pass straight to the pros. Um, yeah, here's the thing now. The, the, the biggest thing about college to the pros now is they cut the draft way down, right? It's only 20 rounds. It used to be 50 rounds. It used to be unlimited rounds. You could pick until you ran out of people. You know, there's years where people were picking like their daughters and their grandsons and their uncles and, and just to, <laughs> yes. to get them picked. Right. Say, Oh, he drafted, you know, my uncle. Right. Yeah. That was kind of Mike Piazza. He was a favor. And then he turned out to be a hall of famer. Who knew the, the thing is, is, is with t- only 20 rounds when teams and, and I, I coach my son's high school team and, and I help coach my son's high school team. And, and I talk to kids and they're like, Oh, I'm thinking I'm going to get drafted. What do I do? And I'm like, well, if they call, cause what they teams do now is they pick up the phone they call you, they say, hello. AJ, yeah, we're you were in the third round. We have seven hundred fifty thousand. Will you sign for that? If you say yes, they'll draft you. If you say no, they're like, all right, they call the next guy, right? All right, hello, hello, until they get the guy that'll say yes. And like, oh, perfect. So it's become a little bit of a different thing. 
And, and with the college NIL money, I mean, there are some colleges that are paying big money for dudes. There are also a lot of colleges and, and colleges you've heard of that don't have that money for baseball. It goes to football, it goes to basketball, you know? And so it's not, the money I don't think is as lucrative as it is at every school. Mm-hmm. Now listen, there's schools, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not going to name them, but you can, you can figure out who they are that have a ton of money for NIL and baseball because they have baseball people backing them. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of a bad thing. I think the transfer portal in college baseball has been tough because if you're a freshman, you go to a Florida LSU, you know, Texas A&M, whatever, whoever the big powerhouses are, Tennessee, you know, are you going to play as a freshman at a high school unless you're probably a first round pick later on, or are you better off going to a smaller school, a Mercer or Coastal Carolina playing your first year? putting up numbers. Then the coach at LSU in Florida calls you and goes, Hey, you had a pretty good year last year. Oh yeah. You want to come here? Oh yeah. By the way, we'll pay you whatever amount to come here. I mean, that seems like almost a better path now. So AJ, you played for seven different teams. The course of your career spent the most time with the Chicago white Sox. last week, MLB winter meetings in town in Nashville, Nashville, a hotbed of rumors around a major league baseball team, eventually coming here. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf, was photographed with the mayor of Nashville. Um, what do you think about the possibility of the Chicago White Sox not being in Chicago? I, I think it's comical to me. I think it's uh, – I love Jerry Reinsdorf, and I love the White Sox organization, and I, and, I, and I work for them as a fan ambassador, and I think that uh, Nashville will get a team. I just don't think it's going to be the Chicago White Sox. Now, I don't know anything more than – what you guys know, and I know the meetings happen and this and that, but I just can't. Jerry's a Chicago guy. Jerry's the Bulls. He's the White Sox. I just can't see Jerry being the guy that's like, oh, I moved the White Sox out of Chicago. Now, will do I think MLB will expand to Nashville? Yes, because I listen, who doesn't love going to Nashville, going on Broadway, you know, doing the whole deal? I mean, it's everyone loves, you know, oh, where are you going? Nashville. Oh, you know, hope you survive, right? It's, it's like almost <laughs> become like, a, a mini Vegas without the casinos, right? It's like, oh man, I'm going to Nashville. I can't wait. So I, I think MLB will get to Nashville, but I think it's going to be expansion. And and I thought it would be Vegas and Nashville coming in together, but now Oakland's taking Vegas. So the interesting thing will be where is the other team besides Nashville when MLB does decide to expand, which the rumors are by 2028. Yeah, yeah. Nashville like Vegas. You leave after the weekend with a headache, just you have more money when you leave uh, Nashville okay. instead of Vegas. I don't know if you know, but Broadway's not that cheap. No, yeah. well, it, de- it depends on where you go in Nashville to yeah. see if you're going to have more money <laughs> no, or not. No card games. Games being played, but no card games. Uh, uh, finally, just a final minute, AJ. Chicago, I know the Bears are struggling to find where they're gonna, what they're going to do with their stadium. What's up with all the discussion with the pro teams, with the city, and why they can't come to some terms on the future of their pro sports franchises? Um, well, everyone wants a stadium, right? Doesn't everybody want it? They're, they're the Titans aren't the Titans getting a new stadium? Yeah, they're getting they one. Yeah, not much controversy about it though. It's weird. Well, you know, it depends on uh, you know, every city is run a little bit differently. I guess would be the right For way to sure. say it. Yes. So you know, you know, why couldn't Oakland get a stadium in Oakland before they had to move to Vegas, right? Why couldn't you know the Rays are finally about to get a new stadium? It's taking them what twenty years to try to figure one out in, over in Tampa. So. It's just about the cities you're in and what the priority is. And in Chicago, they definitely want private money and they definitely want, you know, public, less public funds. And if, I don't know if you've ever been to a game at Soldier Field, it's a great stadium, yes. but getting in and out of there is brutal, freaking nightmare. It is awful. 
brutal. Right. So they, they need to move from that place and with all the history and everything, but what's the best option. And the other problem you have is every team wants like what Atlanta Braves have, right? The battery. Every team wants that. And you need part, finding that land, finding that land to do it. And also finding the city that'll give it to you is, is what's tough. You're right. AJ Brzezinski, he's been our guest. Hey, thank you so much, man. Uh, loved having you on. I hope we can do this again soon. This is great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And anytime. Awesome. Loved having him. He knew I Johnny Damon. Coverage. He knew Johnny uh, Damon was had awesome. big things, but he was underrating himself. I bet Damon and then he went was, on to a long career. David was like the sixth grader that could have the mustache. There was always that one guy. Damon's the guy you want to hang out with because he probably got all the girls, too, is what I'm guessing. Play Travis joins us next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. The Outkick Store playing on a new field. That's right. The new Outkick Store just launched. And to celebrate, we're offering a buy one, get one 50% off deal for a limited time. You can find your favorite polos, t-shirts, and more when you visit shop.outkick.com. Score 50% off. All you've got to do, visit shop.outkick.com and add the items to your cart. And the discount will be automatically applied. Most likely to yell at the ref. You got the dad hat there uh, on the screen. Clay Travis joins us. He certainly He's both of those had things. that merch. Yeah, that's right. Clay, hope you're doing well, man. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Excellent. Uh, uh, when does the Australia trip begin? I leave Friday. Um, so uh, we leave Friday, New Year's, and uh, Christmas down under. Whole family, whole crew. Uh, so, uh, it's a big trip, longest flight, certainly that I've ever been on. And, uh, I can't wait. I'm excited. I've never been to, uh, to Australia. I've wanted to go for a long time, so it should be pretty awesome. What's the, what's the one thing that everyone you've asked who has been says you have to do? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think probably the Great Barrier Reef. Um, is something that's pretty incredible to see. Um, I'm excited to get out there and snorkel and uh, and see all of the all of the beautiful uh, all the beautiful things there. Awesome. Right, uh, we're going to be out in a boat for the day, um, and uh, I mean it's a it's a wonder. So uh, I think that, and then everybody really speaks up just how beautiful Sydney is on the harbor. Um, and so uh, I'm excited to see you know just how incredible it is. Um, you know, most of my knowledge of Sydney, frankly, comes from uh, the, uh, the the fish movie that Pixar did. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing it myself. Crocodile Dundee for me. Yeah, I'm more of a Crocodile Dundee guy. That, that's a, that's great for the Australia Board of Tourism. Sydney, Sydney in particular. Yeah, Sydney yeah. in particular. Also, there's a rainforest we're going to be in, which is going to be pretty pretty awesome. Awesome. Uh, I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a pretty incredible trip. So I can't wait. The closest I'll ever get to Australia this holiday season is an outback steakhouse at some point. <laughs> so um, that blooming onion is terrific. <laughs> I, I will say. Also terrific, Clay, the deal that the Dodgers are getting with the deferred money uh, for Shohei Otani. And it's smart of Otani, of the Dodgers, where they can defer $68 million of the 70 each year and go out and attract top talent. But there's something that just doesn't feel right about this, that you can manipulate the system to that extent and hold all that money over for a decade from now in order to get more top talent. What do you think about that? Well, my understanding is that under salary cap, they don't have salary cap, but under luxury tax rules, that 46 million of that money counts. Um, So they would have to pay taxes on it 
otherwise. In other, and again, I'm not an accounting expert, but there is a real value of a future earnings. Um, and people who you know are super smart business people would look at this and say, okay, uh, you know, th- he may get X right now. But the real implied value of $70 million, or for this case, $68 million in 2034 or whatever the first year is, is X. And I think they said it's $46 million. So uh, I, I presume that the way this works is Shohei Otani is probably getting all, all that money um, uh, in advance, a lot of it, because you'd re- typically rather have cash on hand. But he's doing it through an investment bank instead of from the Dodgers. Uh, so that's kind of the way that I would, uh, that I would presume this is structured. And I think it would really matter if there was a salary cap, because obviously then you're working around the salary cap, but it still matters for purposes of the luxury tax, which is kind of a default, uh, salary cap because it's designed to discourage people from spending way more, the big market teams from the small market. So having read up on it, I think it's probably, uh, uh probably fair. The end of the the Chiefs Bills game, Clay. Does Patrick Mahomes look like a huge baby, or do you feel like he has a point in all the ranting and raving with the offensive offside call? No. So this look, I obviously have got all sorts of opinions on officiating over the years, but what I'm really consistent about is I don't think that flags should be thrown or a call should be made when no competitive advantage is is, is gained. Um, and, and let me explain what I mean for that purpose. N- there was no benefit for Kadarius Tony from being lined up offsides like he was. Uh, if you're lined up offsides and you're roughing the, rushing the passer, you can see why the competitive advantage is significant. No one has been able to point to me and say, hey, that extra half foot that he got somehow fundamentally altered the outcome of the play. So my position is you, you could call a flag on every single NFL play like that. That is, I believe if you went back over every play, you can find a violation of the, uh, of the rules on every single NFL play, illegal hands, hands to the face, holding, uh, pass interference. I think you can throw a flag an official can every single play to me, you throw flags when Either the, the foul is so egregious that everybody agrees, oh my goodness, you have to call it, and or when someone gains a competitive advantage. Uh, and to here, I did not think the Chiefs gained a competitive advantage at all. I think this is nitpicking. Was it stupid of Kadarius Tony to be lined up offside? Yes. But I would err on the side of letting players decide the outcome of games, not on uh, throwing flags for relatively inconsequential violations that do not alter the outcome of a play. So I wouldn't have thrown a flag there. And I imagine what I probably said is ultimately what Patrick Mahomes is reacting to. Uh, and I feel this way on all sports, whether it's baseball, basketball, I don't know hockey well enough, but football, you know, if, if there's 30 seconds left, and you suddenly decide to call three seconds on a guy who just spends a little bit too long in the lane on that possession, or you call an away from the ball foul in basketball, I feel like the game was cheated, right? 
Um, and so, uh, so I feel like the game was cheated there relative to the, uh, the, the, the penalty that was called. Clay Travis with us. Clay, uh, Ariza, Matt Ariza is uh, no longer facing the, the civil lawsuit. The, the lawsuit's going to be dropped, uh, according to his attorney and him, who spoke on this today. Uh, the, no settlement on his end, an agreement that he would not sue uh, the, the woman, but he still can sue Dan Gillian, her attorney. Uh, and, and he spoke on it and said, had he just filed the lawsuit and not gone on a big media tour, it might have been different. But the way he handled it was unbelievably unprofessional. Going to Twitter, starting this big social media campaign, it was ridiculous, and he'll be held accountable for his actions. Uh, what do you make of this story now, given the fact that it, he's not facing any civil lawsuits from her? They're, she's dropping it now. And the fact that he's going to be back in the league. I, I'm looking around and thinking he had already he beat out a veteran just prior to being released because of this story. And he's, he's going to be back in. And the reputation of Ariza, that is what needs to be the focus instead of uh, the details of the story that are not true. Well, also the money that he would have made, he's never going to make. So uh, there is a real economic hit, leaving aside what is clearly a character assassination. But let's say that he would have played, I mean, the million dollars that he would have made this year or whatever his salary would have been, 600000 I don't know what yeah, it was, a it was would have made in his situation. He signed four years, a little over $3 million. He had a $250,000 signing bonus at the time. Okay, so he would have been a free agent in, what? how many years has he been out now? One full year? I can't keep up one. with how long this story's been going on. Yeah, one full. One full year. So... He doesn't get credit for the money that he would have made. He doesn't get credit for free agency. It's true that he will never make the money that he would have made from playing one year of football. So he's been wronged 100% economically by that. But I think the economic uh, uh, hit is actually less significant than the reputational hit. Yeah. And I've been arguing this for a long time. I, I don't think it's a difficult decision. I think if you make up a false accusation of sexual assault, that you should be charged with a crime and the punishment that you face should be the same that the uh, guy or the accused would have faced as well. I think there should be mirror image here for, um, for charges. And so I think this idea of, oh, well, she just made it up and now she says, oh, she's dropping uh, the civil case and there were no charges brought and everything else. Once you say that guy raped me, you can never unring that bell because as, what, as much as we might hope that everybody sees the resulting story and recognizes that his name is now cleared, that isn't the reality. The allegations typically get way more coverage than the vindication. Um, and so I think this woman should be charged with a crime and should face significant criminal consequences for, by her own admission now, lies. Right. If she's dropping the civil case yeah. and they investigated it criminally and found no basis for it, then she lied and there should be consequences for that. So uh, imagine right now, Clay, being Ward Manual. You've got a football team that's the number one overall seed in the college football playoff, getting ready to play for a national championship. You got everything going on with Jim Harbaugh, Connor Stallions, NCAA investigation. Then you get a phone call. Uh, from your HR department about a complaint filed by your basketball strength coach 
against your head coach because the head coach and the strength coach got into an altercation while the head coach was recovering from open-heart surgery and is not currently serving as the head coach of the team. I'm talking about Jawan Howard and Michigan basketball, and now a lot of thoughts out there that he may be done as the Michigan basketball coach uh, before this thing is all said and done. Uh, what do you make of the situation there now with a second Michigan alum in Jawan Howard and his repeat offender status as someone clearly that's got a temper problem? Yeah, I mean, I think if it's true, I mean, you conduct an investigation. I, I think unlike Jim Harbaugh, I don't think Jawan Howard has been so successful that you find it impossible to replace him. Um, and, uh, and, and so I think you probably go ahead and hire a new coach. And uh, again, if it's true, because there is a history of him not being able to handle his, uh, handle his, uh, uh, his temper, and I don't know why this would get better. And uh, again, I don't know. They're going to conduct their own investigation. I used to do HR investigation. So I would imagine Michigan's got really good lawyers to look into this and try to figure out what happens. I try not to prejudge based entirely on allegations. Uh, you want to see what the actual facts are, undisputed facts, before you make a, uh, a decision. But once you know what the undisputed facts are to the extent that they exist, then I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's wrong to make a determination about whether or not somebody should be able to represent your university. Clay, we've got uh, college football and the bowl games kicking off this weekend. Uh, you've got your twelve winners right now at Outkick.com. Uh, in regards to the ones you're most confident in, where do you start? Well, I mean, I think the challenge with bowl games in general in college football is you have to analyze two things: who's playing and who has motivation meaning uh, with the transfer portal going on, guys going pro, it's sometimes very hard to figure out what the actual roster is going to be. Ohio State's a good example. Missouri's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Missouri would not have been a two-and-a-half-point favorite in, uh, in the regular season. In fact, Missouri probably would have been a nine- or ten-point underdog uh, to, uh, to Ohio State. So the line has moved nearly two touchdowns based on who's playing and also the motivation. Uh, so I think you have to analyze that. I like Mizzou in that game. Uh, the games that are relatively easy to analyze are the uh, the playoff games. Michigan and Alabama are going to go as hard as they can. Uh, and you know that certainly you're going to get the same thing from Washington and Texas. I like Texas to cover. Uh, I like for Alabama to, to, to win outright and also cover as an underdog. And I think it's going to be Texas versus Alabama for the national championship game on January 8th. And Florida State as well against Georgia. I like Florida State to cover. Again, that's a motivation game yeah. to me. Uh, I think Georgia exists to win championships, and sometimes when teams aren't able to compete for a championship, that's a big number, two touchdowns, 14 points. It I is. think Georgia is the better team, uh, but I think Florida State's going to be the more, more motivated team. And so uh, I, I think it's a shame that we're not getting to see these two teams play in the playoff when we would have gotten absolute apex-level performance from them. Uh, but I think Mike Norvell telling his team, hey, you could be 14-0 and 0 and uh, really stick it to the committee by beating a team in Georgia that they have no uh, faith that you're going to be able to beat. I think college kids are going to respond well to that. I think Georgia's more talented. I think Florida State's more motivated. And so uh, I like Florida State plus the points. Clay, enjoy the time down under. Can't wait to uh, follow you on social with all the, all the photos, especially uh, with, with the fam. 
Yeah, I don't think I'll be on Twitter as much for the next couple of weeks, but certainly I'm going to post uh, photos on Instagram yeah. if people are interested what that experience is like. Uh, that's probably the place where I'll, I'll pop more stuff for sure. Thanks, Joy, Clay. Man. Thank you. There's Clay Travis. All everybody have a good Christmas and New Year's. Yes, Merry Christmas. Same to you. I can't wait to hear his media plan for that long flight to and from. Movies watched, books read, or does he just sleep the entire time? <laughs> that's what I'm going to ask him when he comes back. Coming up, we've got headlines including the NFL and more international games. Sixth and Peabody, our broadcast site, studio located, Music City, Yeehaw Beer, and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton with our rolls on across the Outkick Network. <laughs> Coming up, we've got some great uh, screenshots of a Georgia Bulldogs message board in regards to the transfer portal. Some news on that in just a moment. Uh, today's the deadline. If you want Outkick gear under the Christmas tree this holiday season, Got to hop on to shop.outkick.com today for shipping purposes. It'll arrive before Christmas, and you could get buy one, get one 50% off for a limited time. Find your favorite polo, T-shirts, and more. Shop.outkick.com. Score 50% off. All you got to do, shop.outkick.com, and the items in your cart will have the discount automatically applied. We make it simple. If that goes for every company, I probably need to get to work on some Christmas shopping online. <laughs> If today's the last the day guarantee. to get it before Christmas, didn't even think about that, but there's some things I need to order online. Probably need to do that today. So that's a good reminder. Chad, there's uh, some news with college football and the transfer portal where college athletes who were denied the chance to play immediately after transferring a second time, they can return to competition for now. That coming from a federal judge. There's a 14-day temporary restraining order that was... Uh, handed down today in northern West Virginia that allows this to happen. So again, the order against the NCAA enforcing the transfer rule. So if you transferred, if this is across college basketball and you know everywhere, fourteen day uh, stay, a restraining order. So if you wanted to transfer again and you were worried about the NCAA holding it up for a second time, you can do that in this fourteen day window and be fine. Yes, while throughout. While the, the, uh, the NCAA had to announce this to the schools, the schools will not be punished during this 14-day window either. If you, this is a 14-day window up until they'll have a, uh, a, a hearing December 27th about this. But they, so theoretically, let's say a football player decides, I want to transfer for a second time right now. They have two weeks to do it, and they can go to the school. You have two but weeks then- to play. If you, if you were not allowed to play based on the restrictions of your second transfer, you can play right now. This affects hoops immediately. Yeah, but for but two weeks or for the rest of the season? For two weeks until they have the hearing, and then the hearing, that could produce the rest of the season. It could also just go back to the rule. But the judge has filed this. They, he's agreed to this temporary restraining order uh, allowing – transfers who have done so for a second time to play during this one schools will not be punished for it either until the hearing takes place and something is actually decided beyond that on December 27th yeah not a huge deal I don't know how many teams this affects Uh, there are some obviously if this is going on right now it'd be a huge deal if they just allowed it for 14 days that they said hey now is a free-for-all if you want to transfer for a second time you can do it during this stay this 14-day period and go somewhere else and once you're on campus you're fine 
But then my question would be, well, in 14 days, they come back and say it is lawful. Then are they not eligible under NCAA rules? So, well, this goes yeah, to, I guess if you've transferred a second time, you've been held out, now's yeah. the time to, to play for two weeks. Yeah, and I mean, this goes back to January of this year when the council, the NCAA council, rules council, agreed to limit eligibility for second transfers. That's what this judge has, has filed and uh, has ruled against, at least until the hearing where he'll hear from the NCAA. But the schools know that they won't be punished for doing or for playing a, a player who's ineligible. And to me, this leans more towards we'll just go back to what we had with the portal being wide open and the second transfer not factoring in if you have the federal judge doing this. So uh, we'll, we'll see this take place in hoops, but also bowl games, right? You got a guy who has transferred for – I'm thinking I always go back to the left tackle – who was denied eligibility at Colorado this past year, who tried to leave and join Dion from For mental Jackson health State. reasons? That's what, yeah, he said he was, he was depressed that he couldn't play with Dion Sanders, wanted to go there, and had, and had his eligibility uh, this, taken away. Yeah, it just, I, I don't, if they get to play for two weeks, then they say no after two weeks, that's kind of painful also. Um, hey, congrats, you had to play in three games. Now conference play is starting, and you got to go back on the bench. You're ineligible again. Um, I don't know how that helps anyone, but I'm sure we'll see some teams enact it. Yeah, man, it, it sucks for those that transferred prior to this, this new policy in place last January because a lot of players, every player, did so with the idea that they would be eligible to play until they went back and limited that eligibility. So... If you're going to open it up, open it up. And, it, and then they take forever to rule one way or the other, like we saw at North Carolina. Hutton, I told you that I watched Bill Belichick on College Game Day yep. this Saturday, and I saw a completely different Bill Belichick than normally what I see. Well, we see Bill Belichick coaching a team, totally different personality, doesn't say much, very gruff. Um, the thought is that Bill Belichick is done in New England. That's the report after from the Tom Curran, that he is heard. That he's out. And they made that decision on their way back from the trip to Germany a few weeks ago where it was, let's see, Ben Volan who had the report that their dream candidate is Mike Vrabel. Vrabel. Then he had the report that the Germany game is really factoring into the future of Bill Belichick. That was the same week that the reports came out that a long-term extension had been signed. Tom Curran at the time, NBC Sports Boston, reported that the long-term extension, the extension was there, long-term meant it had been been negotiated beyond this season, but it was only for an extra year, and that it expires after next season. So the terms really don't factor in. If you want to make a move, you can still make a move. And he has been told, that the decision has already been made that they're parting ways at the end of the season. 25 days from today, the NFL season will conclude. And in a very short time frame, we will have a, a, a final, a finality to what's going on with Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. But I, based on the certainty going into the season that I mean, the, the, the reporters that are just they are the they are the voice of what's going on in Foxborough. They are certain that he was on the hot seat going into the season. 
we had Curran on, and he, he agreed with that. Knowing all that, I buy this report. I buy the friction between the owner and the head coach. And I buy the fact that they've agreed to some extent to play it out. Belichick was asked about it. And, you know, he's throwing out the line of, and I'm just focused on Kansas City. On to Cincinnati was the, the vibe of the, the answer that he gave in regards to the idea that it's already been determined that he's not, no longer the coach at the end of the season and moving forward. To me, the focus should be on, well, if they've known this, but they didn't want to, to break up the, whatever was going on behind the scenes. Right now, they're 3-10. and 10. They hold the number two overall pick in April's draft. I'm now asking the question, well, who's up next? It's a tough act to follow, number one. And number two, it's an organization and a roster that doesn't have the type of NFL depth they used to, that doesn't have the same mindset, focus, uh, the, the vibe, the aura of the Patriot way. That's gone. And the next hire has also expectations to live up to the same way Mac Jones did when he was drafted 15th overall. He's replacing Tom Brady. For years, 10 years in fact, it was thought that Josh McDaniels was the coach in waiting. Then they go down this path of just stupidity with the coaches that they hired to run the offense last season. But now they have Bill O'Brien, and no one's really mentioning Bill O'Brien as the guy. So who is it? Gerard Mayo is on the staff. He wasn't hired this past offseason, removed his name from consideration in a handful of interviews that took place, first and second interviews with teams. Mike Vrabel has been rumored out there as the dream candidate. And then there's just, well, a group of coaches that are young, that are known for right now calling really good games for talented offenses, but very unproven. But so was Belichick when he was hired, based on his record as a head coach in Cleveland. The names that will float out there will be also picked apart. But to me, Chad, the decision's already been made on who Robert Kraft wants as well. And he's either trading for said coach, or he knows behind the scenes he's elevating one of his own, or he's about to go grab one of the top offensive coaches in the NFL. That's the sense, and I think that's the storyline. Because in 25 days, according to reports, Belichick's done in New England. The GOAT is either going to another team or he's stepping aside and going uh, into retirement or into media, whatever. Who's next to run the dynasty that was the New England Patriots? It's got to be Gerard Mayo if you're going to elevate someone, I would think. That's the only one to me that makes sense right now of a coach on the rise that took his name out of other head coaching opportunities. Right. So if you're going to, and I don't know they're going to do that, but if you're going to stay on staff with a Patriot way type guy, to me, Gerard Mayo is the one that you're promoting to head coach. And I think just as important as the coaching decision here is the general manager decision because Bill Belichick has been both for so long. So the pairing of head coach with GM in New England is obviously of vital importance moving forward. And you as, want the GM as the first hire, right? Is this going to be a hiccup in, the, in the, the, the franchise, a hiccup in the dynasty? 
Or is this going to be a long-term Patriots going back to being the Patriots before Belichick and Brady for years to come? That's how important these two hires are. It's not one. It's a head coach and a general manager where you had both in one with Bill Belichick. So what direction they go there? Someone familiar? Someone outside the Patriot family as the GM? Same goes for head coach. I'd throw Matt Patricia in there also as a guy who once was coveted and is no longer. When you right. go with McDaniels and O'Brien and Patricia, those would have been the top three guys that would have been elevated had they not been failures elsewhere. And now, to me, Gerard Mayo is the one guy who makes the most sense if you're going to go that direction. Unproven as a head coach, but someone you've cultivated within your franchise, within that Belichick system. Or do they want to completely break from that and go with something else? I think that'd be a mistake. I think to throw everything away and say, well, we want some anyone other than Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's responsible for a lot of roster success as the GM, as well as a lot of success as the head coach. Didn't work out post-Brady, but still a great coach. The Super Bowl rings show that. And also a really good GM for the most part, most of the time in New England. So where do you go with both those hires? Huge question moving forward for the Patriots. And the one landing spot I haven't heard for this coach is New England. Jim Harbaugh. I only bring it up because if you're going back to the GM head coach, it's all in the same. He's the only candidate I can come up with that re require that power. That's it. That's it. Did he have any GM ability with the 49ers? No, no he had right? a separate general manager there. Yeah. But among the, the Vegas favorites right now, the favorite is Gerard Mayo at plus 200. The rest, Vrabel in order. Mayo, Vrabel, Enemy, Bill O'Brien, Ben Johnson, Josh McDaniels, Jim Harbaugh, Brian Johnson. It's not a who's who list. So Jim Harbaugh is pretty good long money bet on that one if you're going to go with a, a big time plus money for someone. But to me, Robert Kraft knows that the, the leadership qualities that he wants and he knows what Gerard Mayo is about or where he doesn't meet up with the same expectation and, and path that he wants to go down. But it's been reported uh, from those in, entrenched in Patriots coverage that Belichick and, and Kraft are parting ways at the end of the season. You know, it's, it's amazing because it, it, we associate everything together. Belichick, Brady, Kraft. I don't know what Kraft is without Belichick and Brady also moving forward. Like, I, I, I think he's going to make the right decision and know what he wants, but he's had the benefit of both those guys for so long that who knows how he's going to be at picking a GM and a head coach. Well, but he's smart enough to know what he doesn't have right now, and that's a right. playoff organization. And I think that's also important. A lot of coach uh, owners don't know that, right? We'll find out how good he is at hiring a coach. Further headlines straight ahead. <laughs> 